I believe that this word, for example, this word was a word that has been on my, in, on my heart for a few weeks, and God has processed me through it first, and I've been able to experience what I'm going to share, and I'm healed. Amen? <laughs> I'm healed, and because I'm healed of this, I'm able to talk about this. So let us pray. Lord, uh, we are grateful for your presence in this place. Thank you for uh, Daphne and the team um, that led us into your presence, and we believe that you are able, uh, just like the word says, to do exceedingly and above all we can ever ask or even think. So we're believing that word this morning, and I pray that you give us the strength and the wisdom today just to receive this word in the same manner that you gave it to me. And um, I pray for fertile ground, Father, and that our hearts are ready to, to receive what you have for us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Um, if you've been here for the last two weeks, we talked about run. How many of us were here? Right? And one of the things that I was thinking about during the week is um, there's a lot of things going on on the news. There's a lot of things going on not only in local news, but for me um, that I'm Dominican, I, I kind of follow the news back home. I get it. I should get over it. But, hey, I'm still Dominican. So I still, woo, right? So I still follow the news for some reason. And um, I can't get away from it. And one of the things that's been happening this week, there's a lot going on in the country. There's um, uh, some money laundering issues, some baseball players that some of them play for the Marlins <laughs> uh, got involved, and there's a lot going on. And I just kept thinking about Marianne's message on Sunday um, about finishing, but finishing well, right? A lot of people finish. All you got to do is be alive to finish, right? You know, that's it. You know, somebody, you get a disease, you know, a car hits you, you drown. I mean, drastic, but you know what I'm talking about. But you fit, and that's it, you're done. And I was just thinking to myself, what are people going to say about me once I'm gone? You know, and people don't talk about the things you did. You know, I, I heard someone say once, people will never... People won't remember what you did for them. People will remember where, how you made them feel. So I was just thinking about when I finish, are people going to say that I finished well? And what happens is people judge you about, you know, only about your, you know, your last few moments of life. So you can give yourself 20 years of ministry and you had that one problem and that's how people are going to remember you. And I was just praying, I was like, Lord, I just pray that I'm able to finish well. I don't know if that was your prayer this week, but thinking about all these athletes that, all these accolades and made millions of dollars, but they're going to be remembered as the people that were laundering money for a drug dealer and not their careers. And I thought about many people. I thought about uh, divorces that I've seen of people being married for 30 years, right? Have you seen those? And they get divorced, and you're like, I, really, now? I tell Marianne all the time, listen, after 20 years, wherever you go, you take me. <laughs> like, where am I going to go? Like, who's going to want me at, at 50? <laughs> like, like, can you imagine in the dating scene at 55 being that dude at the club trying to be cool? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like, you're out of place. Like, you don't belong here, guy. Like, what are you doing here? Like, on Tinder at 50. Y'all know what Tinder is. Don't, act, don't look crazy. Uh, or, or, you know, out there, thirsty on social media at 50. And I'm like, Lord, let me finish well. 
And we talked about endurance, and we talked about running the race, and we talked about discipline. And we talked about this spiritual walk not being a, a thing that you feel, but something that you do out of discipline, right? Because sometimes you don't feel like it. Any, anyone can be a witness to that? Sometimes you don't feel like it, but you're, you're disciplined enough to do it. You know, so if, if you run a Christian walk just going off of feelings and going off of emotions, let me, let me break it down to you really quick and really early. Most days, you're not going to feel God. I know that comes against some of your theology, but some days this walk, you're not going to feel God. Some days you're not going to feel that he's good. Am I the only one? Because I feel like a, like, okay. Some days it's not going to feel like he's your healer. Some days it's not going to feel like he's your provider. Any witnesses in the room? So if you go by feelings, you're, you're bound to crash and burn. See, Jesus took the cross, and we read last week that he knew what was ahead of him, and he still took it with joy because he knew that at the end of it all, he was going to be sitting next to the Father, right? So that's why we do what we do because we know how the story ends. So if you go, where's my Bible? If you go to the back of the book, at the end, we win. That should make you excited. That should make you say amen. This is, the story has been written. So all we have to do is to endure. See, the enemy doesn't have more power than us. He just sometimes has more endurance. Right? You know, sometimes it's not about him overpowering us. He just outlasts us. And I was saying this morning that a lot of people want to over-spiritualize things, right? I was going, I went to a, a conference once and they were praying... <laughs> They were praying, that's my bad, they were praying for diabetes, right? We're rebuking the spirit of diabetes. And when we left there, a lot of people went to Popeye's <laughs> or Burger King. I'm like, it doesn't matter how much you pray. It doesn't matter if you cut yourself open praying. There's some deliverance that's flesh management. <laughs> there is some deliverance that's on you, not on, not on the devil. You know, a lot of people, the devil doesn't want me to pray. The devil doesn't want anybody to pray, honey. <laughs> oh, the devil doesn't want me to go to church. The devil doesn't want anyone to go. You're not, I'm sorry to break it down to you. You're not special. He's not after you alone. He's after everyone. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion, right? Looking to someone to devour. So a lot of things are just about discipline. You know, there's that birthday party at your office, but you know you had lunch. You don't have to eat the cake. You don't even speak to Susie in accounting. I, I, I know I hit some sensitive points, right? You don't even know Martha from, from uh, compliance. And you... There are some deliverance that is just flesh management. It's how you manage your flesh. Hey, you know, oh, listen, Lord, Lord, the devil doesn't want me to lose weight. No, your mouth doesn't want you to lose weight. It's flesh management. See, oh, I can't wake up to pray. The devil has, no, 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 no. You're going late to sleep. You're, what, what is it, Brenda, scrolling and patrol? 
scrolling and patrolling, you're laid on that gram, and you can't wake up to pray. It's not the devil, it's you, honey. So I say all that to say that one of the qualities or one of the things that we need to master in this walk is the art of recovery. And I was saying this morning, one of my favorite boxers of all time was Julio Cesar Chavez. He doesn't fight anymore, but he went 90 and 0 before he had his first defeat. His biggest skill or his biggest trait was that he would start losing the first four rounds, five rounds, and after that, he'll start picking up. So he was backwards. So he'll start gaining strength. He mastered the art of recovery. So when his opponent was the seventh round and his tongue was hitting his chest and he couldn't lift up his hands, Chavez was fresh and he went for the kill. And I was thinking about our walk and I was like, man, it's so true. In order to finish well, we must master the art of recovery. And one of the things that we need to recover from, and this is the title of my message, is that we need to recover from rejection. This is what happens. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how pretty you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. Everyone in this life, some way, somehow, will encounter rejection. And you can say, Pastor, how do you know that? Simple. The most perfect man to ever walk on the face of this earth. The Bible says there, were, there was no sin in him. He was rejected. So if he was perfect and he was rejected, we're unperfect, imperfect. So we will be rejected. And one of the things that I see happening a lot, especially in this cultural, cultural context, is people drown too much in their sorrows of acceptance. See, what happens is that we're seeking, for valid, from, we're seeking for validation from people that are not valid. I'll rewind. We're seeking validation from people that are not valid. So what happens is that you and I, we can accept that we value their acceptance. We value it at a different level. So when we feel rejected, we drown in the sorrow. Sometimes is relationally, sometimes is in the marriage, sometimes is with friendships, sometimes is in church, sometimes is with where you fall on your pay scale. We all, we all have felt rejection. And today I just want to read a couple of scriptures from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30, verses 3. To six, and I'm going to simply suggest today, I'm going to bring it to your attention that I believe that we serve a God who is an expert in recovery. He is an expert in redeeming things he did not break. <laughs> so it could be that you messed it up. It could be that someone else messed it up. The God we serve is a God of recovery. And if you want to sum up the gospel, the Bible says the gospel. The gospel means good news. The good news of Jesus, it's very simple. It's, it's a God 
that redeemed something he didn't break. What Adam broke in the garden, he redeemed it at the cross. Did he break it? No, but he redeemed it. And this scripture, I believe, is filled with insight talking about recovery because recovery is the unwillingness to stay where I'm at and unwillingness to accept my current circumstance as my condition. And I believe that many of us are drowning in something we are unwilling to accept and move on from. And God is saying, I am an expert in recovery, but first, there's some things you need to accept, the reality of things. See, I was saying this morning, the reality of life is that we live in an imperfect world. Is, am I right? Am I making sense? You know, we live in the reality that family sometimes is not going to feel like family. Sometimes friends are not going to behave like friends. Sometimes Christians are not going to behave like Christians. See, when you accept the reality that no matter what you do, there are people that have a perception about you that that's not going to change. Am I preaching to somebody? And you're willing to say, and listen to the word and the revelation of the Lord that the vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and you're able to close a chapter without an apology. See, what happens is many of us are waiting for an apology from the person that hurt us, but that is depending on their growth. <laughs> See, you're, you're waiting on the apology from the person that hurt you, but the problem is that the apology will only come if they grow and they get the revelation of what you received. So what happens is that we're going we're gonna to need to be people that master the art of moving on without closure. That is very rough. <laughs> See, there are things that you're not going to get an explanation from, for. And you have to be willing to move on into a new season and leave the old season behind. Because if you don't leave that old season behind, you can't walk into something new. See, some of us are trapped by things that happen and waiting for some, that person to grow up and ask you for forgiveness or that person to come to Christ and have an eye-opening moment that they hurt you. See, oh my God. They won't value you until they get the revelation of who you are, but that's only when Christ comes in. So that's why you have to see them as Christ sees them. So now when you understand and you have compassion about the imperfectness of people, I know I made that word up, and you understand that there are just people that need to be loved the same way you need to be loved and you need to be accepted, your life changes. See, we're seeking for this constant validation from people that are not valid. The only thing that's valid is the word of God and what he believes about you. You're a son, you're a daughter. That's the only label over your life. Let's just read because I, I, I'm telling you. He said, when David saw, when David and his men they saw the ruins and realized that what had happened, what had happened was, what had happened to their families, they wept. They cried. Weeping is like an intense crying. They wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Anoam and Jezreel, Anoam from Jezreel, I'm sorry, and Abigail, Abigail, sorry, the widow of Nabal from Carmel were among those captured. Let me just make a pause here because some things in the Bible are descriptive and some things in the Bible are prescriptive. Descriptive, this doesn't mean you should go and get two wives. 
for the men in the, in the room. This just means it's just describing what's happened. There's some things that are descriptions, some things are prescriptions, so like love your enemies, and that's God's commands, but God is just describing what's happening. It doesn't mean that, oh, you can say, hey, honey, it's in the word, I should have two wives. No, it's just describing. I just wanted to make that pause there. Amen. Number six. <laughs> David now was in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. So they came and killed everyone. And they began to talk, to talk about stoning him, like, okay, we, this, is, this is our leader. He needs to go. He needs to die. But David, but David found his strength in the Lord, his God. And I just want to teach you a word today that I learned recently. And if you know me, if I learn a word, I'm going to use it till I can use it no more. And the word is buoyancy. Buoyancy. Buoyancy is the ability to bounce back no matter the circumstance. And like I said earlier today, if we are going to get this thing right, we need to master the ability of the bounce back. See, what happens is what distinguishes us from the people that don't have the revelation of Christ is that we know the end of the story. So when you understand that at the end you're going to have a crown over your head, when you understand that you have salvation over your life, when you understand that he is good and that his goodness and his mercy will walk with you and follow you all of your days of your life, you live differently. You understand the revelation differently. You bounce back. So I'm not coming here to say that it doesn't hurt. The Bible says that they wept until they couldn't. We, you have to acknowledge the pain. The pain is going to come. It's going to hurt. People are going to let you down. People are going to betray you. Welcome to the earth. Family is going to let you down. People are going to walk out of your life. You have some expectations of people. I'm sorry to break it down to you, but you, you got to deal with it. See, when we align, and I'll talk about that later, when we align the expectation of people and when we align the expectation of what we have or what we expect from God, we're not going to be frustrated. See, and I'm not saying live your life with no friends. Live your life expecting the worst. Just live your life expecting that people are people. Talk to me now. And that life is going to happen. And that people are going to let you down. And people are not going to act like they should act. And people are going to talk behind your back. And people are, and people are, going, to, people are going to gang up against you. People are going to say what they... See, you, you got to understand that sin, like Marianne said, sin entered the world in the garden and broke everything. People ask me all the time, hey, why bad things happen to good people? Have you heard that before? If they're so good, why did they get cancer? Hey, listen, sin. It's simple. Sin entered the world. And after sin entered the world, it's no holds barred. Everything goes. See, and, and, and I was thinking this week, for example, they're not here, so I get to say that. I was, talking, I was thinking about Isaiah's father. And I was thinking about how in talking to him and talking to his family, he had no issues with his health. And, I, and it, you know, people, the question is like, why, Lord, and, and what happened? And Paul says in the book of Ephesians that there are many questions that we're going to be able to ask the Lord when we're in his presence so the question is not why is for what. So and seeing the 
the overwhelming amount of love and overwhelming amount of people that their lives were impacted by his life, now you understand what God was doing. Now when you see that there's legacy, when there's a grandson, now you understand and you start putting pieces together of why the Lord allowed him this season to be over for his life. So we deal with rejection. And like I said, you only have to be breathing to understand that there's rejection. Now, you need to see him right in order to perceive him right. And I think that many of us either only see baby Jesus or see a Jesus hanging on the cross, but we don't see him as the resurrected king. We don't see him as a redeemer, so we can't perceive him as a redeemer. Am I talking to someone this afternoon? And I think that in order for us to run this race and run it right, we need to understand that he's the God of recovery, that there is nothing that you've done and that there's nothing that you will do that can make him stop being the God of recovery that there's nothing that he cannot redeem. There's no past. There's no brokenness. There's no uh, sense of insufficiency that he, can't, that he can't redeem. And so if we are ultimately going to experience rejection, it, it's part of the fabric of life, right? We establish that. We need to master the ability of the bounce back. And I'm not talking about cultural recovery, see, because there's a difference between cultural recovery and kingdom recovery. Can I teach? Cultural recovery is going to keep you attached to a pill. Cultural recovery is going to keep you attached to somebody else's couch to telling your issues and blah, blah, blah. Kingdom recovery, the Bible says that who the sun sets free, free it's free indeed. So if we're, if we're seeking for kingdom recovery, that means we want recovery the king's way. We want him to redeem us in a way that when we are free, we are free indeed. And I think that freedom, become, freedom comes with acknowledgement. And I think that as we, as we study the Bible and we look at uh, Bartimaeus, we look at the woman with the flow, there were people that were rejected and there were people that were out of season and the Lord was able to redeem it. And I think that one of the reasons that we struggle with recovery is because we have bad memory. Let me, let me scratch that. I think we have selective memory. See, we remember things the way we picture them. <laughs> you know, I look at you, and if you were to tell me that God hasn't been good to you, I would pray for you. I know many of your stories and sometimes we're talking like, you don't have a testimony of what the... If you look back over your life and you think about how good he has been to you, we need a better memory. And this is what David says in the book of Psalms, chapter 103. Are you still with me? Yeah. Making sense? Am I making sense? Yeah. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities... This is what, King James? Who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. See, you have a long praise when you have a long memory. I see, I know that some of, some, we go to places and people kind of like, yo, you guys are a little extra with your worship. I'm like, because he's been a little extra to me. 
but will you, why you got to scream and raise it? Because that's what he's done for me. See, when you have good memory of what he says, and forget not. And I think that we get caught up in the situation. See, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and I think I spoke about this a, a few weeks ago, she was talking about how we perceive things. So, hey, how was your week? It sucked. Yeah, you had two bad hours on Tuesday, but your week didn't suck. Does that make sense? How was your day? Horrible. You had 15 bad minutes, but your day really wasn't horrible. Am I making sense? And what the Lord has done for you, and you start thinking, I'm like, I'm like, you don't need to think you're breathing right now. You made it here. You're eating. You're, you're clothed. And I think that many times in that selective memory, we forget his benefits. And if you're employed like I am, you know that there's a season that, you know, the health companies come around to talk about your benefits. And I don't know about you, but I don't read them things. <laughs> right? Am I the, don't make me feel. Am I the only one? No. Oh, you know, I know people that sit down. Anybody has questions after the thing? I'm like, <laughs> but there's people that stay, and I want to know my, you know, uh, what is it, in network, and my, I don't, I'm sorry. I, you know, but there's people that, do we do that with the Lord's benefits? Do you know the benefits that come with serving the Lord? He says, forget not. And if he says forget not, it's because we tend to forget. Don't we? And I think that one of the struggles with recovery is that we focus on what's happening and we forget what he's done. Right? We get so engulfed in the situation that we believe that the God that did it before can't do it again. And I'm not knocking you because it happens to me, but sometimes I see you with your head down for too long, and I'm like, child, don't you know how good God has been to you? I, look, I remember when you came through those doors. You better lift your head up. He's been more than good to you. Like, I think about myself sometimes, like, how dare I? How dare I feel like, uh, 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 when I know how good he's been to me and to my family. He's been extra. He's been too much. He's, he's done the overkill. He's gone above and beyond. He's gone the extra mile. So I cannot forget his benefits. So you and I, when we're struggling, when we're going through those seasons and we're believing that God is absent, David said, in, uh, King David said in, an, in another uh, chapter, and, and I bring to memory. And what we bring to memory is all the bad things, right? When God didn't come through or we perceived God didn't come through. And God is like, do I need to pull out the list? Or like he tells me, do, do, okay, you, you want to check me? Do, do you want me to talk about the things that only me and you know? Don't, don't, get, don't, don't start with me, boy. Don't you start with me. We can, if you want to talk about being unfair, I can talk to you about being unfair. He says, he redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with many crowns, with loving kindness and tender mercies. And when you have a good memory, you have a good praise. And I know when I... And I don't judge your worship, but sometimes I look at you, I'm like, come on now, God has done something. I know if this would have been a party, you wouldn't be so sad. Uh, come on now, don't, don't make me go there. 
So you're before the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has redeemed your life, and you can't put a praise in your mouth? Come on, son. <laughs> New York, come on, son. He crowns me with love and kindness, and I'm not, I'm not praising him for what I've done. I'm praising him for what he's done for me. When you have a long memory, you also have a long praise. And see, what happens is one of the signs of spiritual maturity is meekness. Does everyone know, understand what meekness is? Who can tell me what meekness is? Yeah, go ahead. See, meekness is not a sign of weakness. Meekness is a sign of strength. In other words, I'm not opening my mouth because I don't have things to say. I'm not opening my mouth because if I say what I got to say, this is going to go from a 4 to a 10. A sign of spiritual maturity is for you to bite your tongue when you, when you have... The Bible says that David ran from Saul. And let me break that down for a minute. Y'all remember the fight between David and Goliath? Right? So it was Saul that was supposed to fight Goliath. But Saul chickened out. David stepped up to the plate. So David didn't run from Saul because he was scared of Saul. He ran from Saul to keep them both from sinning. There are conversations and there's things you walk away from not because you're weak, but because you're meek. <laughs> there are things that <laughs> David is telling Saul, Saul, you don't want this smoke. <laughs> you don't want this smoke. So in order from, keep, from, from keeping you and keeping myself from sinning, I am removing this myself from this situation. Not because I don't have anything to say, but if I open my mouth, it's going to be another kind of problem. I always tell Marianne, man, the day that we open up our mouths, so I have to, one of the things that I've mastered is to hear and swallow and bring it to the Lord. Because I know you don't want this smoke. Because <laughs> I know. I know. But a sign of strength is, a, is when you are able to restrain yourself from what you can say and you get the validation from the Lord. And you accept the revelation where the Lord says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And you're able to move on from a chapter without the closure you thought you needed or it playing, playing out the way you thought it should have played out. So you know what's crazy about this thing? David runs from Goliath, not from Goliath, from Saul, but he runs into the Philistine camp. This is what's crazy. The fight with Goliath was, Goliath was representing the Philistines. So this man just went to war with the Philistines, but he searches refuge with the Philistines. And I'm like, that makes no sense, right? They just went to war. He beats their guy up in what, I, what they call representative warfare. In other words, you pick your best man, I pick my best man. Whoever wins, we, the land wins, just like Jesus did. He fights our fights, and he wins the battle, and because he won the battle, we have the victory. Does that make sense? So he goes and finds refuge in that camp. And I was thinking, now that, that, that doesn't make any sense. But the Lord told me, uh, took me to Proverbs 16, 7, where it says, you know, when the, 
The ways of the man pleases the Lord. He makes the enemies line up with us. And I was thinking, that's so crazy. He's finding refuge in the Philistines. And there was one man there that refuge him, and he was a man of influence. And the Lord said to me, you don't need to be in favor with all the Philistines. You just need to be in favor with the right one. See, you don't need everyone to like you. You just need the right people to like you. And who was against you in one season, the Lord is going to use him in another season to refuge you. Because when the man's way, when men's way pleases the Lord, he does this before our enemies. And there's just five things that I just want to mention really quick to get you out of here that I think we see in the text and I think that it can help us recover from rejection. Is this helpful for you? Is this helping anyone today? Number one is that you need to engage in weeping, engage in lament. See, the Bible says, we read it, they wept until they couldn't weep no more. And weeping is a sign of grief. So we need to, we need to engage in lament. Like we need to do better lamenting. Does that make sense? Because sometimes God is not going to do it. Sometimes God is not going to heal it. What happens then? See, we don't know how to react when God doesn't do it. Because our focus is solely, he's going to do it. He's going to make a way. What happens when he doesn't make a way? He's going to heal him. Listen, I always have the testimony of the Spanish worship leader, Julio Melgar. This guy was like the top Spanish worship leader. The entire world was praying for him. He got cancer, follow me, in his throat. A worship leader. God, that don't make no sense. The biggest worship leader for for Spanish speakers gets throat cancer. The entire world is praying for him, and you don't heal him, and he dies. See, we, we we don't know how to receive when God doesn't do it, so we get mad. Am I talking to somebody here? Because yes. I get, I, I get, I get pissed. <laughs> I should have muted it in the back, my bad. Am I the only one? Sometimes God is not going to do it. See, some, we got to preach the right theology. Yeah. Somebody say amen. amen. See, sometimes, you're not going to hear this many times from the altar. Sometimes God is not going to do it. What do you do when he doesn't? Oh, come on. So you have to engage in lament. See, and this is something the Lord gave me. God can't fix pain that your pride is not willing to admit you feel. No, because I don't care. Yes, you do care. No, God, it ain't got nothing to me. Yes, it does. See, there's pain. Yeah, I'm over that. No, you're not. It still hurts you. It still hurts you to be single and see somebody else get married. It still hurts you, somebody carrying their baby and you can't have a child. You need to engage in weeping because God can't fix pain that your pride is not willing to admit that you feel. And I believe that sometimes we want to put up this front of like, oh, I'm good. No, you're not. It hurts you. Sometimes I'm mad at the Lord. I'm like, Lord, this right now sucks, and I'm upset. And I weep 
And I lock myself up, Marianne, I lock myself up in the room, I lock myself up in the car, and I weep before the Lord because I can't understand what you're doing. This is hurting right now, Lord. So you can, first of all, you need to engage in weeping. You need to acknowledge that it hurts. And sometimes, man, just for public validation or for people not to say, and I got to be the life of the party, and for people, the, and we, we, we go through this and we want to hide it, but when we hide it, God can't fix it. Because sometimes God won't do it, and that sucks. See, he came back, and his wives, not one, both, and his children were gone. You imagine David walking around, no, I don't claim that. Boy, I don't care if you claim it, they're gone. I don't receive that. I don't care if you receive it or not, they're gone. I hope I'm talking to somebody today. The Bible says that they wept until they got it all out. And one of the things, Mary and I were talking about this, that we need to do better as a church is to engage in lament. Because we need to learn how to respond when God says no. See, what happens is that if we only tackle it from the angle of God saying yes, we're not prepared neither physically or emotionally, when he says no. So everything breaks down. The world crumbles because we got to know. That's like when you tell your child for the first time, no. They, they throw a tantrum and they go, because they, they can't receive that you said no. So we need to weep until we can't weep no more. And One of the reasons people can't heal from rejection is that they're not willing to admit that they value that other person's acceptance. See? Oh, I don't care if they don't talk to me anymore. Yes, you do. And it hurts you. Oh, I don't care if he hits me up. Or, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You just have to expose that so God can heal it. Making it seem that it's not there is not going to take it away. This is something I'm learning. Not paying attention to it, believing that it's going to go away, that doesn't heal it. Trust me. That doesn't heal it. So you need to engage. Does that make sense to everyone? Yes. Number two is you need to accept the revelation. See, faith is not denial. Faith is not denial. Another way of saying it is accepting reality. You need to accept that sometimes family is not going to act like family. Yeah. You need to accept the reality that friends sometimes are not going to act like friends. Hey, you need to accept the reality that Christians sometimes are not going to act like Christians. Uh, people, oh, you're a mess and you're a Christian. Because I'm a mess is because I'm a Christian. If I wasn't a mess, I wouldn't be. <laughs> because I'm a mess, I need a mess fixer. And I think that many times we forget and we don't accept the reality that stuff is going to happen. And when people happen, because people will happen, unless you become a monk and move to the mountains, people are going to happen. Tell your neighbor, people are going to happen. And that may be you. Now, let me stop. People are going to happen. That's the reality of life. That's why he's an expert in redeeming things he didn't break. Because sometimes it's your own doing, but what happens when it's not? Like, how do, you, how do you cope with losing 
a child in a shootout at a school. I don't claim it. I don't care if you claim it or not. I don't receive it. I don't care if you receive it or not. He gone. She gone. We need to accept the revelation that things are going to happen, that life is going to happen, that people are going to happen, that people are going to let you down, that you have expectations on someone, expectations on that friend, expectations on me as a pastor. I'm going to let you down. This is what life is. See, if we don't learn to recover from that and we don't accept the revelation that God is a God of recovery, we're not going to finish well. See, we need to master the skill of understanding. I lament it. I, we, I tell Marianne all the time, when we have a situation here at church, someone leaves something, I grieve it. I grieve it. I take like 48 to 72 hours and I grieve that thing. I grieve it and I cry it out. I lament it till I can't weep no more. But once it's done, I accept the revelation. Because if I stay there, I can't walk into what God has for me. And I think that many of us are running circles around an old season waiting for closure that we may not get. Is that helpful for someone? Yes. Number three is that you need to align, align the expectation. It's interesting that David was able to align the expectation and he moved forward. And I don't know if I want to get into this, but he, he joined the Philistines in fighting, in fighting Saul. Remember I said that? He joined, he went to there, and they were like, hey, listen, we want to beat up Saul. And he's like, yeah, you want to, you want to beat him up? I'm with you. Because sometimes we let God handle things, but sometimes we want to handle them ourselves. Is that me only? or You'd be like, God, I got her. <laughs> you stay out of her. I got this one. Leave me this one to me. And we need to align our expectations because sometimes people that are friends are not necessarily the people you fight with. And the people that you fight with are not necessarily your friends. I'm going to leave that alone because I don't have time for that one. <laughs> Number four, you need to renew your strengths in the Lord. The Bible says that David found strength in his Lord and you... In order to finish well, you're going to need to master the skill of recovery. The way we see God is the way we perceive him. If you see him as a God of recovery, you're able to receive the revelation that he's a God of recovery. See, the, Lord, the Lord's plan is not for you to stay in constant sorrow. Weeping is going to happen. Anyone want to say amen? amen? Lament is going to happen. Loss is going to happen. But the bounce back needs to happen. Push your neighbor and say, bounce back. See, and the reason we need to bounce back, and this is something that I want you to take as a revelation to you. There are many people that are depending on your bounce back. There are people looking at you, and sometimes it's fair or unfair, but there's people that are depending on you to be at your best. That they can't afford to see you like you are right now, because they find their strength in seeing you being strong. I know. I know. See, that's why when I talk about lament and when I talk about weeping, I don't lament and weep in front of you because sheep don't do well with blood. 
I go, <laughs> I go and bleed to another pastor. People are depending. People are depending on your strength. See, there's people that are talking about you, man, that, that Martha, she's strong. And you're thinking like, uh, I, not today. You're like, oh, clearly, man, I wish I, and you're like, she's talking about me? I'm a mess right now. I don't even have my stuff together. Oh, Melissa, man, if I could just pray like you. And you're like, man, I haven't prayed in three days. But, but that's what it is. People, people depend on your bounce back. For good or for bad, people are looking. Does that make sense to anyone? And number five, you need to reclaim your confidence. There's nothing like things not panning out the way you thought they were going to pan out to eat up your confidence. You start second guessing and you start questioning yourself. You start thinking, Lord, did you really say that? Because that's not what I'm seeing and I'm losing my confidence. I thought you said, or at least I heard you say, but that's not, what's, that's not what my eyes are seeing right now. See, there's nothing like failure that will rob us of our sense of self, our sense of security in the Lord. See, our failures are not final. We may fail, but we are not a failure. And I think that many times in this walk, we fail and we start to believe that's going to be a pattern that's going to follow us. And we can't recover because we're looking around the corner, believing and thinking that the other failures are on the corner. Haven't you had a season that you've asked the Lord, Lord, if I can just get one thing going my way? Somebody be honest and say me. Saying, Lord, can I just catch a break? Can one thing, I'm not asking you for 77 things, can one thing go right? So that thing could be a Kickstarter to something else. <laughs> That's how I think. God, if one thing goes right, that means you're, we're trending in the right direction. That's just the way I'm wired. But Because our confidence is shaky. Right? Lord, this happened last week. Now another thing happened. Can a brother catch a break? Can a sister catch a break? And my prayer for us today is to understand that we serve a God who is an expert in recovery. And if you feel or you understand that you may have been down for too long, I believe he's here to bounce you back up. Not solely for you, but the people around you. See, David was the last of his siblings, and his siblings depended on his bounce back. His nation depended on his bounce back. David needed to show up. And I'll close with this. Some of us can't recover because we're fighting the incorrect fights. And while the enemy has us distracted, fighting the fights that we're not supposed to be in, we're not taking care of the fights that we should show up for. See, while David was running around, Ziglag got destroyed. He forgot his post. He forgot his own, trying to fight someone else's fight. 
And I think that many of us are wounded, not only because of the fights we're fighting in, but we're engaging in fights of other people that are none of your business. And you're taking on things that let them take on their fights. You have, a, you have to finish well. Point at your neighbor. Say, pastor said to point at you. You, tell him you, not Maria, not Johnny, you, you need to finish well. And I think that we're poised this morning, already this afternoon, for the Lord to meet us in this place. And I said at the beginning of the message that this message was for me. I needed recovery from rejection. And not rejection that, Willie, I don't, I don't want you, but when you see people pick other things over the things that you thought they were going to pick that involve you, you feel rejected. So today, the God of buoyancy, the God of the bounce back is in this room. And I don't know if you are honest enough to say, Pastor, I know you said you were talking to yourself, but boy, you talking to me too.